There's a rat. Kill it. Kill it. No, wait, wait. We're not talking about real rats. We're talking about the rat race. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Duke Pod, where we talk about all things real estate. But today, I'm going to bring you guys something completely different, something that has really encapsulated me recently, and that is a book review. So this is essentially a book review in some way, shape, or form, but we're really going to talk about the one concept in the book. So what are we talking about? We're talking about Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a book by Robert Kiyosaki, and I just finished the book. Uh, I'm doing the 75 Hard Training Program by Andy Frasillo, and I have to read every day. So I finished the book over the last uh, two weeks, basically, reading a couple chapters a day. And it is a fantastic book. The point of the book is to help. It's, it's a personal finance book of how to be self-sufficient over the lifetime. And when I started out the podcast, I said, it's a rat race. So what Robert was trying to say in his book is that there are many ways that we can invest. There are many ways that people work and they live. But what is the definition between becoming wealthy and, for example, being rich? So let's start with that. So being rich is just having a ton of money, right? If you win the lottery, all of a sudden you're rich. If you're a uh, multimillionaire, if you're a billionaire, uh, let's say you are an athlete, you're getting paid 20 million a year to play, let's say basketball for the NBA, you are rich. But the nation is, and it's really hard to be rich. Like obviously like for a professional athlete, um, <laughs> first of all, you have to have those physical traits to, you have to have some physical gifts to be, you know, to have the genetic background, the high the skill, the precision, whatever it is to even get yourself in that kind of position. And then you have to work really hard for it. But to become wealthy is something completely different. The definition of wealth, according to Robert, is that you have a certain amount of expenses. Okay. So let's say my monthly expenses are $3,000, let's say, right? or let's say your monthly expenses are $3,000. That's how much money you need to pay for all your expenses during the month. In his opinion, if someone was to accrue, they were to gain assets and then pay, and then their assets give them some cash, some monthly cash. Let's say one asset gives you 500 bucks a month cash while accumulating uh, value. Another asset gives you 500. If I or you who have a $3,000 expense, uh, monthly expense, had enough assets that they equal $3,000 or more, so the exact same amount that our monthly expenses are, then we no longer have to worry about money and therefore we are wealthy. We are do not have to work for the money anymore. So in, in some way, shape or form, that's really how a lot of us base our retirement in. Right. That's if you have enough money to survive, you can therefore retire. Now, I really like this book. It talks about a lot of things in it and what uh, what some of the main assets that Robert talks about are really going to be on par with what we talk about. Right. And for, for the most part, it is real estate investing. 
I want to tell you guys a little bit about my own real estate investment investing uh, some tips and then we're going to, have to give you some 10 points that the book said that I want to leave you with so let's talk about real estate investing okay when I was uh, 28 um, I didn't own any real estate uh, however I started working real estate um, or essentially I had a job I had become I had began a career so think of your uh, job your career okay if you're working for minimum wage that's not gonna be the type of job that's gonna give you enough money for a down payment uh, unlikely however if you have a job that's making 50,000 60,000 70,000 that is still relatively low uh, in the scheme of the world however you can hypothetically get 5% down payment with some time to purchase a house right and that's exactly what happened to me so when I started real estate around 27 28 I was working hard and uh, I had $20,000 in the bank after I closed uh, a few deals uh, maybe three or four and I had a few more coming in so I went to the builder in Milton Ontario that's where we were living at my mom's house at the time we moved from Mississauga to Milton and they were selling townhouses and I could buy a townhouse if I gave $30,000 deposit what does that mean is I don't even have $30,000 in my bank I have more money coming in however uh, maybe let's say at close like at 25,000 however if I give all the money I have I can therefore get a house that I will take possession of it in one year so at that time because I didn't I didn't have a good salary the year before I purchased the house with just a deposit and then it was gonna be built in a year so it gives me another year to uh, do my taxes to have uh, to say I have a salary and to be able to afford a mortgage and then also to gain more money to try to put more money down on the house okay so I bought the house now with the builder it's good that uh, it, kind of the like same thing when you buy a house right like you do need to put a deposit amount for everything you buy however uh, you don't need the rest of the money until the last two weeks before closing that's when you gotta basically prepare a check to the lawyer and say okay if I'm putting 5% down so the townhouse I bought was 400,000 this is like in 2014 and um, is in Milton 20,000 is brand new townhouse 400,000 so 5% is $20,000 so you could the banks will allow you to get a mortgage with only 5% down that is the bare minimum in some way shape or form you'll see that some of the investments I've made and a lot of the investments that people make are risky but as I will probably repeat fortune favors the bold when um, when I bought that townhouse the builder allowed me to give checks every month or so for like five thousand ten thousand for like four or five checks right so there be maybe it was like let's say one ten thousand dollar check and four more checks at five thousand so I was saving money at my mom's house uh, just working really 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 hard because I knew I had to get this money in I had to get another 5000 so I purchased the house with less than 30%, uh, closed a couple deals, got my remainder money, gave it to the builder. At the time I gave the money to the builder, I might have only had like $5,000 left in my bank account. All the money I accrued, all the money I earned, I gave to the builder, and I had very little left. This means that I, I invested all the money I had into real estate, 
and now I'm poor again. I'm broke. Imagine how, imagine being someone that a year ago thought that thousand dollars was a lot of money, and I had twenty thousand dollars in my bank account, and then I had like nothing. Like maybe you know, I said five thousand, but you know, it could have been less. It could have been two or three thousand. Now I, I I was working hard, and one of the other things that you'll learn is that in your job, in your profession, you know, you're going to get better at it if you work hard. And I was working for a busy team, so every day every week i was learning from other people that were a lot smarter than me that were a lot more educated that were uh in the business for a lot longer so in my first year in the business i was really absorbing all this information and knowledge and on my end i had to do two things one i had to learn from other people two i had to work hard when the house was ready I had worked hard enough over the course of the year that I was able to save an additional $50,000. And I even borrowed a little bit of money from my mom, I think like five or 10,000 to pay land transfer tax and so forth. And I was able to pay 20% down for that house. So now I'm getting a mortgage of 320,000. Even at the time I got the house, it wasn't even approved for a mortgage from the bank, but I had to go through a B lender so at those, time, at those times, let's say it was like 2.5, 2.6% and the B lender was giving me 3.7 and I was really pissed off. I couldn't get the A lender, but who cares? Honestly, I think I paid an extra hundred bucks or two per month. At the end of the first year in that townhouse, this is where things get really interesting. Okay, so I've always been someone that doubled down on real estate because at the time that's what I was learning. But every time I had money, I spent it on real estate. So uh, my uh, wife and I, we, you know, we became serious, we got engaged. She has a decent income, she's a teacher. And after a year had gone by where I purchased that, um, that house, I decided to sell that house and then I sold it for 475,000. So now think about this. I have made $75,000 in equity on the house. I have 20% down. So now all of a sudden, minus real estate fees, maybe it had 80,000 plus, let's say 65,000. As soon as that house sold, I went to the builder again and I bought a really big house with it, like a 2,700 square foot double car garage because all they wanted was like $80,000 in deposit. It wasn't even 20%, uh, but it was like 10, 12%. So, you know, the house sold and I have the money and i am like all right let's buy an even better house right let's get it while we can and we got lucky we got a good location everything but you know we were adamant about buying a bigger house so something better one of the things that rich dad talks about is always improving your assets over time so had we have stayed in that townhouse as the market increased our townhouse would increase as well however if you own a detached home you would have increased even more so let's give you an example Let's say uh, I bought the townhouse for 400,000 and in five years it was worth 600,000, right? So it increased an equity 200,000. However, if I had a detached house that I bought, uh, that let's say I moved, that's worth 600,000, maybe in five years it's worth 900,000. So if I was in a townhouse and then you cloned me and then now that clone was in a detached home, that detached home is worth 300,000 more than what I started with. And the townhouse is only worth 200,000 more. So now my net worth is an additional $100,000. Well, 
when you have extra money there's lots of cool things you can do you can when you sell the house you can buy a second asset you can try to get a bigger asset uh, a more valuable one maybe i should say because bigger doesn't always mean more valuable you can refinance the home to take out some money to buy another investment and that's kind of what we did so by buying my first with four hundred thousand selling at a four hundred seventy five thousand i put half of the money into my new home from the builder which is going to take a year and a half a year and a half to build and then what happens next so my wife and i we talked about what we do and we could have rent because basically we have to rent for a year year up to a year and a half and the house will be ready and yeah, it's pretty simple we can rent however i'm not in a business of renting renting is just paying someone else's mortgage that's someone else's assets okay i'm in the business of accruing my own assets at the time because i bought a house from the builder now and i don't have a mortgage it's very easy for me to get a mortgage so we went around we looked at homes and we found a cute little townhouse nice new townhouse um, and we put an offer on it, it was four hundred and seventy thousand dollars and there was like five offers on it are an offer included and we bought it for four hundred and ninety one thousand dollars i remember i was actually a little bit pissed off that we paid so much for it and i kind of wanted a house that was like a duplex that we can like rent the basement and minimize our mortgage but in milton there's not that many of those so you know my wife liked it at the end of the day we we got it uh, i think i made her feel a little bit bad about it <laughs> however i apologize later now instead of renting we bought an asset right now robert kawasaki says that your home is not really your asset the reason behind it is because it doesn't really make you money in terms of cash flow because you have your mortgage expenses okay yes half of your mortgage does go to your principal half of them is interest unfortunately over the lifetime we basically pay double the amount double our mortgage um however you have uh, property taxes um, you have uh, utility costs all that stuff and that's eating away at your money right that's so that's a negative value in a way now in the Canadian real estate market I will have to argue that your home is your asset because of the equity it accrues however it's a little different when I talk about, to you later about our investment properties um, so we bought this other townhouse and uh you know we move we go there we live in a cute neighborhood we're only there for a year a year and a half in a year and a half the market really picked up so just by have owning real estate the market really picked up in 2017 there was a big boom in real estate the builder emailed us that like congratulations your home is ready in april of 2017 we put the townhouse for sale now we bought it for four hundred and ninety-one thousand one year ago. We move in in February. I put the house up for sale a year later in February. Now I'm listing it at five hundred ninety-nine thousand. We sell it with seventeen offers. It sells for nine. Sorry, six hundred and ninety-one thousand dollars. It sells two hundred thousand dollars more than what I paid for it almost literally a year before. A year and like those three months, I think maybe it was exactly now what do i do so now we move into the big house and before we move into the big house the uh, mortgage broker was saying okay so i put all your money into the new house and i say no 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 
I don't want all my money put into the new house. I only want 20% in the new house. So they they ran the numbers and they're like, okay, fine, you guys are approved for the mortgage. And we get the house with 20%. The rest of the money we put in our bank account. It kind of looks like a decent amount of money um, because you know we already had the 20% down for the house. We already gave the builder 80,000 plus the 20% we paid for the townhouse, so 100,000, that's 180,000. Uh, that's exactly what you need for an $800,000 house plus land transfer tax and all that stuff. Builder costs, whatever. And now we have an additional 20% and even more that we could have put to lower our payments. However, we take that money, I convince my wife, we go to Hamilton and we find a duplex, we buy it for $400,000. Now this is really the point of the rat race. The rat race is to accrue enough assets to start paying, covering your monthly expenses. So the house that we have, our monthly expenses are roughly $3,500. Uh, very, very common these days. Now we're talking mortgage, income taxes, utilities, all that stuff, right? If you get to the nitty gritties, you can add a lot of things in your personal life that you have to have. And then you could say that that is also an expense. So for example, I like to, I started running this year and I started running, sometimes I run with other people in my town and they all use an app called Strava. It records the runs. After I joined it, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is like a good thing to have especially because I'm into it and after a month the trial expires and I got to pay like a hundred bucks to be on it for a year okay whatever I feel like I need it that's an expense so these are examples of things right you have car expenses you have motorcycle expenses whatever it is these are all your monthly expenses right so they could really add up <coughs> excuse me now we buy this duplex um, this whole time while we while we got to this point my wife Isabella had bought uh, a little duplex in Hamilton. And uh, I'll give you a little example. So when I told you we bought a duplex for 400,000, that is actually the second duplex we own as a couple. The first duplex she bought even before she moved in with me in our townhouse at the beginning. So we have two duplexes. The first duplex was bought for 295,000. The basement was converted, added a fridge. One of the points you guys will notice is that if you really wanna get ahead in life, one of the main features is you got there are moments in your life where you're gonna have to work hard for a number of years so when we bought that uh, little bungalow so when she bought it and then you know I, I met her at that time and I lived in it for a bit we had to paint the house we had to renovate the basement we had to change the floors we had to add a kitchen we had to update this and that to make it you know by code and then we added a so basically we added a second apartment right it already had a separate entrance and when we moved into the milton townhouse my first one for four hundred thousand, we rented the upper and lower levels now based on the uh the monthly expenses for that are like 20 or like 1700 and the tenants pay like uh roughly 2500 so per month that investment nets us 800 dollars. keep that in mind so if our $3,500 are our monthly expenses, the first duplex we bought, uh, that says $800. So to get to a rat race, we need to get down to zero. So $3,500 minus $800 is going to be $2,700. Now when we sold the, the newer townhouse for $200,000 more, instead of putting the money directly to a new house, 
I put it to a new duplex. Again, I spent five, $6,000 renovating the place, add a kitchen. I was doing a lot of the work myself. Now, of course, I, I hired help when I didn't have time. And I was doing a lot of the work myself, building it, and so forth. And over the years, these are not new homes, so they're going to require more maintenance, more upkeep, right? But what's happening in the real estate market? The real estate market is like crazy expensive now. And the first duplex that I bought, that we, you know, our family purchased for two ninety five is probably worth six hundred thousand plus. So it's doubled in value. And our second duplex, which we bought for four hundred, is probably worth seven hundred thousand or more. So it also almost doubled in value, and it'll be just a matter of time before it doubles. So the amount of equity, the value we've gotten from those homes. The second duplex uh, has about a $500 cash flow per month. So I think the monthly expenses are roughly around $1,700 and the rent is roughly $2,200. Now the house is $100,000 more, but the cash flow is still $500. So now we're netting about $1,300 in cash flow, which means we're down to $2,200 left in our rat race to get down to zero right these things are very very important right so when you guys think about a few things okay i want to talk to you guys about a few things if you go back historically five six years ago you're going to say hey philip those houses were less expensive yes absolutely they're less expensive they're better deals uh some of the mortgages we have are a little bit higher than today's mortgage rates you know pluses and minuses um in today's world these prices are substantially more they're double and if you say hey where can i buy my first investment with 20 percent down one of the first misconceptions i'm going to tell you guys is that you should you have to buy something some house because it's going to accrue and it's going to accrue in terms of equity in terms of value over time the other misconception is that you don't have to live in the house so I'll give you an example. Let's say you live in Mississauga. You're renting an apartment or a house or whatever. And you can't afford in Mississauga. The bank says you can only buy something for 500000 You should buy whatever you can in, in Ontario for 500000 and rent that out. Because the tenants will start giving you some... That house becomes an asset. They're, they might You might get a little bit of cash flow. Now, I'll give you a quick example. One of my clients bought a house in Niagara Falls for exactly 500000 When I looked up the current rents, I was saying, ooh, 2100 okay, maybe you'll break even, right? Uh, something like that. And then we, list, we listed the house for lease for 2400 They found a tenant. They liked the house. It was very beautiful. Had some modern features. Um, it was well, it was renovated, but not over the top. Not something that would cost you like an arm and a leg. So leases go up over time. One of the things, other misconceptions is that you should hold on to your investments forever. In my opinion, I think it's not a bad idea to hold on to your investments because, and this is kind of contradictory to what I just said, but I'll explain that in a second. Let's say you take one of our duplexes in Hamilton, right? 25 years goes by, it's rented. That's the amortization rate of the mortgage. So 25 years goes by, boom, the mortgage is paid. Uh, and now we have all the value of that home. Plus there's no more um, there's no more mortgage. So that cuts down the cost and there's a lot more profit. Now, boom, after 25 years, instead of let's say we're making $500 cash flow, maybe we're making $2,000 cash flow. 
boom, we're out of the rat race, right? It's pretty much like that. However, here's the difference. If you own a house, a single house with a tenant, over time, you should upgrade that home. So you should increase the amount of doors you can. Here's why. Let's say you have a single home, your tenant leaves, and now you can find a new tenant at the current market value. Um, <laughs> this is kind of some of the problem that people have with tenants that stay in a house forever is that they just basically pay the same price of lease of the le original lease minus a couple percentage points over the years for rental hikes, which is very subtle here in Ontario, 1.8% per year when it's not a pandemic. And then you can't, <laughs> when it is a pandemic, you can't increase the rent anyways. So it's a very low amount of uh, money. However, if let's say you converted a single dwelling into a home that has a legal duplex or a triplex or a fourplex, now instead of one chance to have your tenant move out and rent it again for the current market value after a couple years or whatever, now you have a duplex, you have two chances at the same thing. So let's say both tenants leave, then you increase the market rent, let's say by $300 each. Now instead of $300 more in rent, you have $600 more rent. Now let's say you have a duplex and you sell that duplex and you get a fourplex. Now you have four tenants. Every time a tenant leaves, you increase the market rent. So the speed of the cash flow, the increase of the cash flow is going to get a lot faster over time. And therefore these buildings will, will, will give you more cash flow, right? Because really that's the name of the game, right? That's the rat race. You can say, Hey, how do I become a multimillionaire through real estate? Well, if you owned all these properties, a whole bunch of properties, they have a certain value. If you sold them all, you'd be worth two, three million. There you go. You're a millionaire. However, we're not talking about that. We're talking about how to become wealthy. Um, so there's a few ideas for you guys. Uh, and I'll give you another example. Uh, a couple years ago, I was actively trying to sell some uh, pre-construction condos uh, for a building I really liked in Welland, Ontario. They were $300,000. Uh, I had three clients purchase them. And when I was in the sales office, I said $300,000 for a condo. I just made $30,000 from helping these clients purchase them in commission. Instead of just taking a nice vacation, I'm going to buy my own condo because I'm not going to get it until three years later. So I don't need to worry about the mortgage. And I only need 15% down of 300,000, which is 45,000. Now granted, I don't actually make the commission out of, it doesn't come in my pocket right away. But I look at my bank account and I have some savings, whatever. And I put that money to the builder. I'll buy this and then I'll worry about it later. Now all of a sudden I don't have that much money again. See a theme here? And I got to work hard again. All of a sudden, it's like light my switch. I'm like, hey, we can't take it easy anymore. We had a good run. But now I spent all the money on this investment. Now, if you look at the cash flow of a condo, the, at the day I bought it, I'm like, hmm, maybe we'll break even if we're lucky. Now, two years has gone by. I bought it in 2019 in March. Now it's 2021, March. The same builder is constructing four buildings i purchased the second one the third one they've decided to sell now two years later they have the exact same units in the third one the design of the building is slightly different but they have the exact same units when i look up the one that i bought called the pattern that's just the name of the floor plan the name of the model 
it's now $120,000 more. So by investing $45,000 into that investment, I now have $45,000 plus $120,000. I now have in that investment $165,000. If you do the math, I've almost quadrupled the amount of money I've made. If you run that in numbers, right? If you run that, break it down over two years, that means I made $60,000 a year by putting my money into a real estate investment. These are the tips that Robert's trying to give you guys. This is how you make money by not doing so much. So here are his 10 major tips I'm going to run down. Sorry, it's a bit of a longer podcast episode, but I think it's very, 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 very important um, to talk about this and then talk about his tips. This is kind of the end of his book. And if you want to go, go ahead and read the book. It's very, very good. Tip number one, and I kind of rephrased it, uh, but it says find your spirit. So there's a book I read by Simon Sinek called Start With Why, and it really talks about why you're doing something. So think about this. Going into the journey to become wealthy, Robert Kawasaki probably started when he was like 20 or something, started investing as soon as he could. However, he did not become wealthy until 47. So it took him probably, I'm just going to guess when he started. So I'm going to guess it took him 27 years to become wealthy. But 47 is not that bad. Imagine you can retire at 47. I think most people would be like jumping for joy. Most people are working until 65 and then struggling in retirement. In fact, I think retirement is such a huge issue that people don't have enough money that one of the retirement planners in the book makes a joke that if you don't have enough money for retirement, you can get the silver bullet treatment, uh, which uh, I don't know if it's a joke, but it's just straight out of the book that you take a gun to your and then you blow it up because you're out of luck. So that's a little cynical. I'm not going to lie. When I read it, I was like, wow, the, the book is nothing like that. But that's how big of a problem retirement is. So keep that in mind. So find your spirit, guys. You have to be passionate that one day you will make your life better. You got to work hard. You got to save money. Okay. You need a job to start making some money. But how you invest that money is going to make a huge difference. I recommend investing in real estate right away whenever you can. If you only have 5%, boom, put 5% down. Don't waste your time. Don't save 20%. You'll never catch up to the market. Okay. If the market crashes and you have own real estate, do not sell your real estate when it crashes. Wait for it to come up. However, the market has never crashed. So that's just an excuse that people say to not to get in there. Well, other people are making thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of million dollars just by owning real estate. Last year, since, since the pandemic, before the pandemic, in November of 2019, all of a sudden the market picked up. If you own the worst house on the market, in 2019 of November, the worst house, like unlivable, but you, it owned land, maybe you could renovate it, whatever, right? The market went up 30% since today. If you bought any crappy house for, let's say 500,000, it is worth 650,000 for doing nothing. Okay, so tip number one, find your spirit. Tip number two, make daily sound choices, okay? so. What this really talks about is education, okay? You may not know much about stocks, you may not know much about real estate, but learn about it. Take courses, 
Go meet people that are smarter than you. Put yourself around really smart people. It's actually uh, basically tip number three, which is choose your friends carefully. Even in my life, I have some best, amazing friends that if I called and I said, hey, I need your help, they would come over. But those people do not want to talk about finances. They don't want to talk about investments. They don't do investments. They don't like to take risks. Remember, fortune favors the bold. I have a friend that he, he is such a good friend. I love the guy. And we talk about sports. We talk about life things. But we never talk about investments. Never talk about finances. He just doesn't. He's not interested. People, they just don't. They think. And sometimes when I made investments, they think I'm crazy. However, he bought a house before I did. And I just told you guys how I have four properties now. And he's in the exact same house eight years later. Uh, he should be way... He should be way better off than me. And there's nothing wrong with having different groups of friends. Just that if you want to learn more about real estate, go may, go surround yourself with people that love talking about real estate, that have investments, that have made these kinds of moves, and they'll tell you how it turned out. They'll tell you their successes. They'll tell you their things to watch out for. Tip number four, master a skill and move on. Become so good at something. Let's say you're going to you're gonna to try to make some money in stocks or startups or real estate. Or let's say you wanna just get good at renovating some simple real estate and appreciating the value. Get really good at that habit. Read up on it, become so good at one skill. And once you master it, learn a new skill. In Robert's book, he talks about learning all the skills, like how to manage money, how to renovate, how to find tenants, um, how to take pictures of the home. like all the things every single profession learn a little bit from them because uh, you'll learn something and at least you'll get some basic understanding of what you need what that profession needs to be successful how they operate things to look out for red flags all these lead to opportunities opportunities that one day you somebody two different people hear the exact same news one of them may be like hmm, cool the other one may be like wait a second my previous education has taught me that this might be an opportunity for something. One of them's gonna make money, one of them's gonna stay poor. That's just the way it is. Tip number five. This is a bit of a unique one, but it says pay yourself first. Um, it's a little bit difficult for me to tell you guys not to pay your bills, but to pay yourself first, because that's kind of what he's saying in the book. But I'm gonna give you guys an example, okay? So what it means is that essentially, Put your money into investment, into investing into an asset before you buy something for yourself. I'll give you an example. Here in our company, here in our company, our real estate company, uh, someone I know has decided to do a really big startup company. I think it's really great. They showed me the presentation. Uh, they have a full team. And I've never invested in a startup company, but an opportunity presented itself. And I'm going to write them a check for $25,000. And maybe I will lose that money. And maybe I'll make 10 times the amount of money in my return. So I'm going to risk it. Now, that's the money I saved for a rainy day. And in fact, my car is 300, has 330,000 kilometers, has a check engine light. I need a new car. But... I'm going to put the money towards this investment that I think is a good opportunity. It's a high risk one. But again, fortune favors the bold. 
instead of buying myself a car that would look cool, that I would really like, I just want to drive it, I want to put the sunroof down, it's getting warm, I'm going to sacrifice that. Now, if it works out, I can buy whatever car I want and then I could put a fifth of the money for a better car or even half the money. I can get like some sweet, beautiful car. I don't have to finance anything. And then I could put the rest of the money in some other investments. It just opens the world up for me. But I've calculated the risk and I decided yes. So put your money into your investments first before paying yourself. You may have to work hard. You may have to live in a crummy house for a while, but keep finding a way to put your money into investments instead of your own personal pleasurable things. Uh, it kind of goes into tip number eight. I kind of think I'm going to put that together. So here we just said tip five. Now tip eight is use your assets to buy luxury. So it's kind of the same thing I just talked about. Instead of buying a car, it says try to get an asset, the asset appreciates, and then you could use the extra money, for example, in stocks. Let's say the startup goes well, after let's say six months, they double their money. I can now take out the 25 grand, I could just have 50,000. Now I could buy a car, a $50,000 car, instead of 25,000 down, $25,000 in financing. Or I could just buy a $25,000 car which is already going to be newer than what I have. And then I could do 25,000 for something else, maybe a vacation for the family. But I didn't pay for that out of my pocket. It didn't come out of my, my savings account. Uh, so keep that in mind. Okay. Try to use your assets to pay for your luxuries, not the other way around. Don't get luxuries because then you won't be able to buy assets. Okay. Um, and I, generally when I'm talking about assets, guys, I'm talking about real estate here today, but there's also like stocks, bonds, um, you have uh, percentages of companies you could own. These are all can all be assets, right? Mutual funds, uh, tax-free savings accounts, and so forth. Uh, tip number six, um, pay your trades well. Okay, a lot of people are kind of mixed into this idea that you need the cheapest person to do a trade for you. Like for example, you may want the cheapest electrician, whatever. Uh, and Robert really talks about more about the financial trades, but I'm gonna go one up on this one. So if there's an account, he, he charges a lot of money and some people are ripoffs, don't get me wrong. However, most of the time, the people that charge more money, if you pay them what they're asking for, they're going to do a good job. So their services should be so good that they should make you money. So imagine you use, for example, a financial advisor. If they make money, that's because you've made money because you, you need them to help you advise you on what finances to use. They're smarter at you about mutual funds, about stocks, about investments, Bitcoin, whatever it is. They're the professionals. If you get paid, they get paid. And if they get paid, you get paid. It's going to be worth it to pay people what they're asking instead of nickel and diming. And then those people don't care about you anymore. They're like, whatever. Tip number seven get something for nothing so really this is kind of like similar concept to owning an asset but there's something called a cap rate in the real estate world i'll tell you a quick idea let's say you you buy a house you used a hundred thousand dollars to invest in it the house is five hundred thousand dollars so your your mortgage is four hundred thousand the mortgage part is irrelevant in the cap rate let's say that um over uh the cap rate is ten percent so that means 
every year in cash flow. So every month you're going to make roughly twelve, sorry, ten thousand dollars back over the course of a year over cash flow. So that means over a month you divide it by twelve, you get like eight hundred and something cash flow. So imagine you bought a duplex, you spent a hundred thousand dollars, cost five hundred thousand. So your original investment is a hundred thousand. Now every month you make like eight fifty whatever. Over the year it turns out to ten thousand dollars. So that means your original investment is hundred thousand. Every year you get ten percent back. Um, that means you gain ten percent of your money back per year. Your cash flow is ten is ten percent. Over ten years, you have gotten all your money back. All hundred thousand dollars are back in your pocket, and now you own the asset. So in his realization, you now own an asset for free. You see how that works? Because that does really much. It's really how that works, to be honest. It just takes time, right? Robert didn't become a millionaire in the first five years. In fact, I have no idea even how many investments he has. But uh, the guy is definitely a millionaire, multi-millionaire. But maybe it takes ten years to get your money back. Maybe it takes five. Maybe it takes twenty years to get your money back. But you essentially got that for free over time because you put some money down, but you got all your money back over a while, and now you're the owner of that asset minus whatever the uh, amount of mortgage you own left and whatever tenants pay for you they pay for your asset they give you cash flow okay and uh last two tips number nine choose a hero so whenever for example when i think of like let's say my favorite basketball team and let's say i'm uh, dribbling the ball i may think of being that person right kids do it all the time like my son says he's superman batman whatever and it's actually a lot of fun to pretend you are a superhero it's a lot of fun to pretend you are that amazing basketball player and if you want to become like if you want to know stocks really well maybe the best superheroes out there like warren buffett uh or you know um donald trump you say what you will about donald trump but the guy's a financial genius right he knows how to negotiate he knows how to by companies and so forth, right? So you should really study them. And then when you're in a situation where you need to negotiate, when you need to buy stocks, pretend to be that hero. Study, 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 study. Guys, education is number one. Educate yourself is the number, number one thing. 10, teach other people, okay? Give back to others. If somebody tell ask me, hey, how did you buy that investment? How are you making money? I'll tell them, okay? now. This is really the concept is give back to others. So if you learn something that someone needs help in, help them out. Teach them how to do it. it um, show them how to do it. In the end, the world normally comes back, right? Give a little, get a little. The people will treat you better. They might refer you to someone that therefore you can make some money off. And things generally come back to you in the right way. Right, more people will want to invest with you and so forth. Uh, if you're in a business that makes sense like that, and the other thing I'm gonna say about that is teach your kids, guys. Okay, uh, <laughs> I before the book, I never thought about it necessarily like this, but sometimes when we do things around the house, like we fix something, like I had a a a, a, a sink that was like just it was it was overflowing, so I had to take out all the plumbing and remove all the excess gunk in the middle. Real messy stuff. My three and a half year old Oliver did everything with me 
okay? Literally everything. And even one time I had all the plumbing out and he turned on the water. I didn't shut it off because I didn't think about it. But uh, <laughs> the water went straight down because we had no plumbing. Now we quickly turned it off. We had a laugh. I cleaned up the mess. But we did the whole job together and he may not have learned anything, but he may have. And as he gets older, he'll remember it more and more when we do things together because you want to teach him everything about the business. Yes, you might have to learn how to do some plumbing. You might have to learn how to negotiate. You might have to learn where to buy material. You might have to learn how to pay for bills. You might have to learn how to do accounting. You might have to learn how to find tenants. Put them in the situation to learn from you. And if you want, make a little game out of it. Dad, I want ice cream. Okay, let's fix the sink first. When we do that successfully, we'll go get ice cream. And he, that situation about the sink had nothing to do with ice cream. Because when we finished and we washed our hands like 20 times, him and I did like a huge dance. And I'm like, you and I, we can do anything together. And we were dancing and jumping. Okay, guys, I'm just gloating here. But I think that this is a little small example of something you can do in the grand scheme of things to teach your kids a little bit of everything. Okay, the whole concept of rich dad, poor dad is that he had two different fathers so it's kind of like two different idols right so when you guys talk about real estate some some of your friends might be like real estate sucks uh it's gonna crash uh even sorry you let's say not even say you guys let's say you you had a panel of judges and they're like the experts of the trade that the, the, like the dons the godfathers and one of them will say the market's gonna crash the other one's gonna say the market's gonna go up you want to listen to both of them because they're going to have some good points. However, fortune favors the bold, remember? Okay? You're unlikely to lose money from real estate, especially in the long run. Even if prices dipped or they stopped becoming so in demand, you don't need to sell at that time. And in fact, if you the prices stopped, like went down, buy, buy, buy. <laughs> They'll go back up. That's what I believe. That's what Robert believed from Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Great book, gives you a lot of ideas about investing. I think real estate is a good way to invest here in Canada as it rarely goes down in value, it only goes up. And if you're not gonna buy yourself a home, buy a home that you can at least get some tenants in, make some money yourself. And then over time, it might lead to more opportunities. Who knows? There's my book review, I hope you like it. And have yourself an awesome spring. Jeez, so warm, I gotta go outside, let's go.